All right, FKU 50 listeners, we are excited to welcome Rachel Lancaster today. At FKU 50, we are outsmarting life after 50. Please look to season number one, which we already have out there on all platforms through our website, fku50.com. We have recorded 12 episodes about outsmarting life after 50. My co-hosts with me today are Kent. Hello. His brother, Jeff. Hello there. And our awesome producer, Randy. (laughs) Randy doesn't have a microphone, and I didn't see that. Kent and Jeff, what do you hope to gain from today's podcast? Today's podcast is a man's guide to menopause. Kent, what do you want to gain from uh, this podcast today? Wow. Okay. You're putting me on the spot. I put him on the spot. He was not expecting this. Yeah. yeah. That's all right. I can go first. Jeff. Think about it, Kent. Yeah, go ahead. I want to know what to expect when I reach menopause. So this is a men's guide to menopause because I know nothing about it. Well, the good thing is, is you only have to expect it from your partner or your spouse. Oh. Oh. And and how to deal with that and be sympathetic. That's hard for you, Jeff. Well. Yeah, it is. <laughs> Sympathy is a good thing. Right, Rachel? Absolutely. Okay. We first want to thank our sponsors. We have uh, uh, two sponsors for today's episode, Farm Bureau Insurance of Florida and the Plant Powered X-Burger by Worthington Foods. FKU50, we'd like to welcome Rachel Link- Lancaster or Lancaster? Link. La- Lancaster. 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 Got to get that British yeah. FKU50 would like to welcome Rachel Lancaster to the podcast. Rachel is the founder of The Magnificent Midlife. Her former careers include banking and PR, none that were particular inspiring. But she truly loves what she does now, helping like-minded women in midlife and beyond feel great and live life to the fullest. She went through an early menopause at 41, devastating at the time as she was trying for a second child. But in retrospect, she had a positive experience. The experience took her on a journey of introspection and soul searching. Now at 53, she is better and bolder than ever. She challenges the status quo and she hopes to change negative stereotypes associated with older women. She believes women get better with age and the more experienced women get, the more we women have to offer the world and especially to those women coming behind us. All right, let us thank our sponsors. FKU 50 would like to thank our sponsors, The Exburger by Worthington and Farm Bureau Insurance of Florida. Without their generous support, this podcast would not be happening. Worthington manufactures a full line of healthy, better-for-you meat substitutes sold nationally in frozen sections in over 5,000 grocery stores. Worthington products include deli meats, hot dogs, dinner roasts, sausage links, and they even have a vegan burger called the X-Burger. I've had it, and I can tell you firsthand, it is good. Grill up just like beef burger and contains 21 grams of non-GMO protein. Remember, the next time you're in a food store, look for Worthington plant-based meat products in the frozen case. To learn more about Worthington Foods, look to their website, eatworthington.com. Farm Bureau Insurance of Florida wants you to know that their life insurance is not a get-it-and-forget-it insurance. No, quite the opposite. Life insurance should be evaluated at least once a year. The key is to review it after any major life changes like marriage, having a baby, 
divorce, life loss, and change in a job. Life insurance can provide the lost income replacement to a loved one's untimely death, burial expenses, which can run on average ten dollars to $20,000, mortgage payoff or debt left behind, payment for college tuition, coverage for potential estate and inheritance taxes, aid in long-term business planning through a key man life policy. Life insurance provides you and your family the security necessary in every season of life. For more Farm Bureau of Florida life insurance information and education, listen to the FKU50 podcast, Staying Alive at FKU50.com. All right, Rachel, why do men need a guide to menopause? Because it's going to affect you, not quite as much as it affects women, but it's definitely going to have an impact. And the thing is, is that women don't know what to expect. Um, So it can be a really challenging time for us, which means that we're in the dark, you're in the dark, we're all in the dark, um, and that can make it worse. So just talking about it, opening up conversations and finding out what to expect um, is really powerful. All right. So let's just go ahead and start out with some questions. We posed a question on social media and I got a few responses from Instagram at 26 legs. She says, understanding that menopause is no joke and should not be written off just as being hormonal. Hmm. Yeah, that's one of the first things I'm going to say, actually, is like, don't make jokes about menopause because it really annoys women when you do that. Because what happens um, as we start to go through menopause is that's probably one of the most insecure times of our lives. We're not expecting it. Things are changing. Um, Society is so fixated on youth that when menopause gets to women, we start thinking, oh, who are we now? You know, what are we supposed to do now? We're different, we're changing. Um, but because so much of our value that society gives us is wrapped up in our beauty, our looks, our fertility, um, that it can be really shocking for us. So when I went through the early menopause at 41, it was devastating because I felt catapulted into middle age. I felt like, I shouldn't be going through this yet. You know, what's happening to me? Because normal menopause age, and perhaps I should explain this first, is 51. But there's a lot of misunderstanding about terminology because menopause is actually a point in time. Um, If you're over 50, it means a woman has not had a period for 12 months. If you're under 50, it's two years. So menopause is actually that point in time. The period leading up to that point in time is known as perimenopause. And that's when women start getting the symptoms that are associated with menopause. That's when they start questioning themselves. That's maybe when they start getting hot flashes, hot flushes, not sleeping so well, all of these things. But because we have it in in our heads that it's going to happen in our 50s, it's a real surprise when it happens in our 40s. So it was such a shock for me at 41. Um, I was like, what on earth is going on? (laughs) Wow. So what is the magnificent midlife if it's not that magnificent? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, I think it is, you see. So I want to reframe um, perimenopause and menopause. Um, I think that a lot of women have this negative view of it. And I want to change that because 
post-menopause, I'm having a fabulous time. I like myself more now than I ever have in the past. And I see menopause as actually a very empowering time in a woman's life. But a lot of women don't feel that way. So I'm on this mission to change how women feel about it and therefore how, how men feel about it as well. But I think going back to the first question, having that understanding from our men folk can be so helpful. It can really help us transition vibrantly through this period rather than tearing ourselves apart, not feeling magnificent, feeling terrible, feeling embarrassed. There's a lot of shame associated with it, which is absolutely bonkers, really, because it's a very natural transition in a woman's life. But I think because it's still a taboo subject, we don't talk about it. That's one of the, the issues that makes it worse. So if the men know a bit more what to expect and can be supportive and also don't dismiss it, don't make jokes about it, um, then it's easier for everybody. I think for men, uh, most men, probably the majority, if not all, it's, it's hard to be empathetic and to understand what you know, what your wife or your spouse or your, your partner is going through. And, and if, I think for men, a lot of us, you know, we don't know how to be empathetic. And, um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it can, it's hard to, when you're, when you're sleeping at night and all of a sudden your wife has a hot flash and she's frustrated because she can't sleep and she's, you know, throwing off the covers and throwing, putting a fan on her. And <laughs> I'm, I've experienced that. My wife went through that. She had a fan right beside her bed, a, you know, a tall one. And that thing pointed and so it came across the bed onto me and I was feeling the, you know, the cold breeze and I didn't want to feel it. And so there was this, there was this frustration of, you know, I didn't know how to be empathetic. And you just put your jammies on, Doug. I could do that too. <laughs> I could put my jammies on and, and, and Rachel, I want to kind of talk into maybe the area of sex, you know, after menopause, because if you're sexually active and I think menopause could be that big uh, bump in the road where it could really change. I know I have an acquaintance and he and I were talking a little bit about this podcast and he told me that his wife was, you know, they were very sexually active and then menopause hit and it like came to a complete standstill and she has absolutely no interest whatsoever in any type of intimacy, which leads me to, and then you can answer this. We have a, on Instagram at Jennifer underscore Fink. She responded with, sex is still an option, but there is a do-it-or-lose-it possibility. Keeping at it, sex, keeps things working as they did before. Neglecting sex may cause issues that are permanent and hard to fix. And then she said, talking about dryness. So kind of elaborate and talk about the magnificent midlife menopause as it relates to sex. Well, there's a few things going on there. Vaginal dryness is an issue for a lot of women post-menopause, well, as they go through the perimenopause years, as is a lessening of libido. So there's two different things going on there. And the dryness can cause the libido to crash because if, if it's not comfortable, then, you know, you're not going to feel very aroused. But I asked my community, actually, and uh, what they wish their menfolk knew or had known about menopause. And one comment here said that lowered absent estrogen means that sometimes it's too sore to be intimate. And it's not that we don't want or need to be. 
that it's frustrating for us too. It can be very frustrating for the woman just as much as for the man. Um, and that if we're no longer dewy with longing, she says, it doesn't mean we love them any less. Now, my advice would be to try and take it back to intimacy because there's lots of things going on in midlife and menopause often gets a bad rap. So on the libido front, if you've been married for 30, 25, 30 years, you might just be bored. You know, we don't know, do we? <laughs> so it might have absolutely nothing to do with menopause. You just don't know. So you could think about spicing it up. You could take it back to intimacy, take it back to pleasure. The other thing is sex doesn't have to be penetration. There are many other ways to get satisfied and to have an intimate relationship. And if a woman is finding penetration difficult, then maybe step back a bit for a time, take the foot off that particular gas and think about other ways to then hopefully get her over that hurdle of maybe where she's feeling, it's sort of catch 22 situation. So I'm feeling a bit dry, then I'm a bit you know nervous about what's going on. Um, I'm embarrassed. So it then becomes this sort of vicious circle. Whereas if you can take it back to pleasure, there's a lovely game. I think it's called the five minute game. And you literally, you set a timer and you ask each other, um, what would you like to do to me for five minutes? And, and then can I do this to you? So there's a, there's a giving element and a receiving element for each party. And you set a time when you go for five minutes. It's quite fun. Um, but it takes the pressure off. And I think that often for women going through the menopause years, it's that element of pressure and expectation and then frustration for us just as much as for our menfolk that can then make that sort of vicious cycle and make it really tricky. There are also some fabulous lubricants out there. There's a really good one um, that I like called Pure. It's spelled P-J-U-R. It's a German one. And in the past, I used to really like sort of organic products and coconut oil is a great one. You can do lots of things with coconut oil. You can cook with it. You can do massage. You can have sex with it. Um, but um, it's a very versatile product. Uh, but um, Pure is, is not one of the natural ones. It is a silicon-based one. But because it's silicon-based, it doesn't then go into the skin. So it can actually be really good if pain is an issue. Um, I've also heard that pain can be more difficult for women who haven't given birth vaginally. And that makes sense, I suppose, because, you know, the vagina never expanded to, to hold a baby's head. <laughs> um, so I've heard that that can be more difficult. But again, take it back to, to pleasure, to intimacy, take the pressure off. The other thing I would say about the use it or lose it, yes, but that doesn't mean penetration. Because if you're at the stage of using it or losing it and you're going for penetration and you're causing pain, it's just going to make it worse because it's going to set up fear. It's going to make women freeze and it, it's not going to work. But masturbation is really good. And there are all sorts of toys that you can play with. For example, you could use a little egg vibrator to get your lady friend going it's a good way to sort of speed things up if the libido is not quite there, you know, and she's not responding as you wanted to, then put more effort into the foreplay. 
maybe, you know, try a little toy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But the important thing there is about getting blood to the vulval area. And that's what's really important. That is what the use it or lose it idea is. So it's not about necessarily the penetration, but about having blood flow to the vulval area. And masturbation and self-pleasure and all of that will help to do that. So, yes, masturbation is an element of self-care, certainly as we go into midlife and menopause, particularly for women. So, have some fun. So, Rachel, (laughs) uh, this is Kent. Do you suppose that menopause kind of gets a bad rap, becomes a scapegoat? Because as we get older, we kind of lose interest and because our imaginations and our sexual desires, just not what they used to be. I really do, actually, but not just concerning sex. I think menopause gets a bad rap across the board. So one of the things that I talk about is that, and this is, it doesn't quite work so well with sex, but it does with all of the other symptoms. I see menopause symptoms as the canary in the coal mine. I think that they are a warning sign that the way we're living our lives may not work going forward. So I actually see For me, menopause was like a gift because it made me think, okay, what am I doing in my life that means I'm not actually looking after myself as well as I might be? And there were, I think, several reasons why I went through early menopause. I think um, I had far too much stress in my life. I didn't work, I didn't deal with stress very well then. Since then, I've learned a lot of, you know, stress management techniques. Um, Also, there's an idea that air pollution can contribute to early menopause. And I've always lived in very highly polluted places. So maybe that was a cause as well. But there are also lots of toxins in our environment. So, for example, um, if you look at hot flashes, there are certain things that will cause hot flashes. And if you are just having the occasional hot flash and it doesn't really bother you and you can think of it as a power surge, then that's a good thing. But if it's really debilitating, there are lots of things that women can do. And I think it's useful for men to know this because then they can help their women, direct them in, you know, as to where they can help to help themselves. So meditation is massive for managing the anxiety, the stress, the bad tempers that often are talked about when women start going into the perimenopause years. We lose our temper perhaps a bit more than we used to in the past. We don't take bullshit quite as readily as we might have done in the past. Um, But meditation is a good way of trying to ground ourselves. Caffeine, alcohol, sugar, processed foods will all contribute to hot flashes. So, you know, if you collectively, you know, like a tipple in the evening, maybe you can both sort of try and cut back on that to help her, or maybe you decide to limit your caffeine so that you're not having as much as that or you try and change your diet so there's less sugar in it there's all these things that can help and they will help across the board so they will help with vaginal dryness just as much or libido as with um, hot flashes or anxiety you know if we can get a better hormonal balance long term then everything's going to benefit And there's a wonder product called um, flaxseeds. I have flaxseeds every day. Um, I grind them and I have them on my cereal. You're here. Why do I? 
Yeah. <laughs> I do the same thing. This so, not because <laughs> it's menopause, right. but it's healthy. So. I know. They're a wonder food, but they're a very high source of natural phytoestrogens. Um, and phytoestrogens can help to replace the estrogen that we lose as we go through menopause. Um, so I have a lot of soy. I drink soy milk instead of dairy milk. I have flaxseeds. I have a lot of hummus because uh, all the chickpeas there are all nice sources of phytoestrogens too. So those things can really help um, to give us more hormonal balance. And they set us up long term. So it's not that we need to stop having these things when we've gone through menopause. I mean, I will be having flaxseed forever because I'm absolutely convinced that it's really good for me. But you have hey, to grind it or soak it. Don't just have it because it goes straight through you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Rachel, what other things besides, I don't, I mean, I hate getting off the sex topic. A, <laughs> we can go well, back. That's my back. favorite place to be, right? <laughs> we'll get back on. But what other areas that men need to know about menopause are there that you think are most important? I mean, obviously the sex issue is a big deal. Yeah. Anything else, um, or is it, or is it just about mostly about the intimacy and the sex? No, it's lots more than that. So Tell me, what happens in midlife and menopause is that we do become different women after menopause, and um, we have a different hormonal profile. Uh, I'm going to tell you an interesting story. There are two creatures um, in this world that go through menopause. There are human females and whales. And when whales go through menopause, they become the leaders of their pods. And they can go on and be the leaders of their pods for 50 years post-menopause. And there's a, a wonderful book by a woman called Darcy Steinke, and I would recommend that both men and women go and read this book. It's called Flash Count Diary. And it's a complete reassessment of menopause and what it means for women. And uh, this woman, Darcy, she actually, she got obsessed with the whales and she went to meet the matriarch, J2. Um, and she got in a paddle boat and she actually met this whale. And it was so transformative because she could see that this whale wasn't disappearing into insignificance post-menopause, which I think is what goes on a lot in women's heads. Um, that actually this this was the matriarch and was leading the pod. So... In uh, traditional hunter-gatherer societies, older women would um, be respected and valued because they knew where the good food was or they knew how to, you know, long-term relationships worked or they, they were really valuable within their community. Um, but in modern life, we do so focus on youth that I think a lot of women think, you know, get to menopause, get to 50 around that age and they might as well go and sit in the corner and just be quiet because there isn't much left for them, was meeting the whale and having that experience. It shows that the evolutionary reason for menopause is that older women are more valuable to our communities as leaders than as breeders. Hmm. I, nice. really, I really like that. That is awesome. When you think of it like that, it really helps put a different perspective on it. But I think that emotional turmoil that so many women go through, and I went through, you know, who am I now? What am I supposed to do? What is my role now? And everything's changing. You know, there's the empty nest. If you've had children, maybe kids are disappearing. Maybe you're also caring for older parents. So a lot of women get really stuck in the middle. 
So having more support from the menfolk is massive, really massive. Um, but it's a time when we, I think we have an opportunity to think, okay, so what do I want to do now? Maybe I've been predominantly a caregiver all my life and I've been prompted to do that because of the estrogen pumping through my veins. But without the estrogen, I can actually be a bit more like a man in that I can think, okay, well, what do I want now? Hmm. What am I going to do? You know? And I think that's a really exciting time for women. But if the man often struggles with that because my wife's different, my partner's changed, you know, there's no um, surprise, I think, that a lot of long-term relationships split up around the menopause years. Um, so it's absolutely key to sort of talk about it and help men embrace this new woman that they've got rather than, you know, being depressed because they haven't got the old one. <laughs> so Does that make sense? Yeah. Sure. Yeah. sure. So, so, Rachel, I'm going to throw a little curveball here. Um, so at least in the American culture, I'm sure in all Western societies, we just take a pill for everything, right? I mean, a pill fixes everything. Why oh, yeah. not? Why not just take hormonal replacement and and live like you're still used to as a uh, as a younger lady? What's your thoughts there? Hormone therapy is very helpful for a lot of women, and for early menopause like me, it is definitely prescribed. And I was advised to have it until so-called normal menopause age of fifty-one, which I did. But then I weaned myself off it. Um, there's so many parts to the discussion on this, but personally, I love that we have this transition in our lives. I love that we potentially have a third of our lives post-menopause to live and, and we're, we're different and we can do different things. And I, I do think it's a very powerful time. Being on hormone therapy can help us get through the bad bits um, and can be very helpful. Personally, I prefer a natural approach, but that's just me because the hormone therapy, even if it's relatively natural, and these days they have what's called um, sort of body identical hormone therapy, which comes from YAM. So it is much better than the old version, which came from pregnant mare's urine, which was not very nice. Mm. Um, yeah, it wasn't very nice for the mares, <laughs> quite apart from us taking it, you know. But I don't want women to feel that they're only valuable if they're young yep. or if they're perceived to be young. So they've still got the hormonal profile that they had when they were younger. That, that's what I don't want to see because we're just as valuable as older women post-menopause as we were before. Is that... A reasonable answer? Does well that, said. Does well that work? said. Yes. Well said. Thank you. So I think that um, it's interesting. I'm I'm fifty. How old am I? Fifty four. And um, it's interesting as you as as you age and you um, and Kit and I were talking a little bit yesterday about the opportunity to introduce people to people. You know, you've been around a long time, and you've gotten to know a lot of people in your you know the first two thirds of your life. And so we have an opportunity, I think, as men and women, as you've alluded to, to be more of a leader to the younger generation. 
So young ladies that are coming up on menopause that may not know what to expect and maybe think, oh, okay, my life's over because I'm going to be going through menopause. You clearly are talking, you know, to the contrary. And, um, and Kent and I were, you know, and I think as even as men, um, we have an opportunity in our older years to be mentors and women too to the younger generation, which can be a very powerful tool to, to helping, you know, the younger people as they get into midlife and suggesting that life can be and can get pretty damn good. After 50, it's not, you know, it's not like it's a downturn. Amen, brother. So um, I know Kent and Jeff and I, and hopefully even Randy, you know, we're all making an effort to um, better our lives now and, you know, in, in our 60s and 70s, more so than we were when we were in our 30s and 40s. So I think what you're doing with the Magnificent Midlife is awesome. It's a great thing. And, um, you know, kind of spreading the word to the women of the world out, you know, that are out there. Well, thank you. I mean, when I think of what I achieved between 20 and 50, that was 30 years, I achieved an enormous amount. But I didn't plan it. I just kind of went along with the flow. And I'm now 53. Average life expectancy is 81. I see no reason why I can't achieve the same amount between 53 and 81 as I achieved between 20 and 50. Because I'm stronger now, I like myself better now, I'm more confident. And that is what really does come post-menopause. There's a, there's a calm, there's a collectedness, there's a more focus. Um, because we don't have, we're, not, we're off the roller coaster of the hormones every month. We don't have cycles anymore. So it's actually a really powerful and exciting time in women's lives. And I think if, if men can embrace that and go along for the ride... It's, it's really exciting. All right, Kent and Jeff, is there anything that uh, we haven't asked Rachel uh, thus far in the podcast that you would like to put out there? I've kind of got another topic, you know, preparing for this podcast. I was kind of Googling menopause and stumbled across this article in Atlantic, not my normal reading, but it kind of <laughs> caught my eye. And the link between menopause and uh, Alzheimer's, and when you consider that half the women are, are dealing with Alzheimer's, it's, I don't know that it's been medically proven. I was kind of going to get your thoughts, Rachel. Is there, is there a link uh, there, and, or is that just a bunch of hooey? <laughs> Who's hooey? That- I don't know, hooey. <laughs> That's Louie's brother. Okay. <laughs> That's a very interesting question. I think they are finding that there is a, a sort of link. I don't know enough about it, to be honest, to, to give you a sort of really straight um, opinion on it. But my impression is that women's brains do change as they go through menopause. And the, they are showing there is some sort of link between changing hormone levels and Alzheimer's. But we don't know what all the other factors are that might be affecting Alzheimer's. It's not going to be, you know, just one thing. And I think I'm always wary of anybody that says women need to be on hormone therapy forever for whatever reason, whether it's to protect against Alzheimer's or anything else. Because to be honest, I think that just puts more money in the drug company's pocket. And I think they have an agenda and 
they don't research all the other options because it doesn't suit their agenda. So I'm always a bit nervous about things like that. But the other issue when it comes to Alzheimer's is that because there is this lack of knowledge about perimenopause symptoms, one of the first things that women can talk about is brain fog. We start to get confused, and I do it. I, I get confused. Now, that doesn't mean I've got Alzheimer's. It doesn't mean that I'm going to get Alzheimer's. It means I've got a bit of brain fog. But because it's new and we're not expecting it, a lot of women think, oh my goodness me, have I got Alzheimer's? And that then sets up again, this fear, this shame, this embarrassment. So I think Alzheimer's is not the massive risk that a lot of people think it is. The, the, I think the proportions are coming down, but then we're living longer and, and we're eating different things and we're living in more polluted environments. So there's all sorts of reasons. We don't know what they are. So I'm waffling a little bit. Because well, I don't have a definitive answer on this. But, well, um, well I'll, I'll follow this up with a funny story. It better be funny. It, it's kind of funny. So but speaking of fogginess, uh, my wife recently put her keys in the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and That's she, classic. <laughs> right. So, of course, you know, and I'm researching this Bob podcast and I'm immediately, my brain's jumping to, oh, she's already coming down with Alzheimer's and she's <laughs> she's only 59, you know. But... um. But no, it, she's not right. Oh, we we had a she knows that, and we just we laughed about it. You know, it's just um, one of those things you do. And of course, she had a good excuse, and she said, "Well, somehow my keys slipped inside the grocery bag, and when I, <laughs> when I put the beer in the refrigerator, they just went in there with it." <laughs> I said, "Well, okay. the classic thing is, I mean, and I was wandering around yesterday saying, where are my glasses? Where are my reading glasses?' On and top of your head, head. Right? right? Exactly. <laughs> so does, but it's not just women that do that, is it? I bet you guys do it too, don't you? Never. Oh yeah. So can. <laughs> oh yeah. So can uh, too often. So can coconut oil help short-term memory loss? <laughs> yeah, rub it on who, your head. Who, who, who knows? Who knows? Give it a try. Why not? <laughs> All right, Rachel. What's the one thing or idea that you would want to leave with the FKU fifty listening audience? Can I tell you first a little bit more about what my community said in terms of what they wish people had known and yes. what the symptoms were? Just jumping back into my own question there. <laughs> so fatigue is a big one. It's really feeling sleepy. And don't take it personally if we fall asleep in front of the telly. Temper tantrums. the same thing, right? <laughs> Temper tantrums that you can't control. Um, the, the emotions do go a bit haywire through the menopause years. And hopefully when we come out the other end, we are more of an even keel. Um, but that can be a bit scary for everybody. It can be scary for us because we feel out of control and scary for our menfolk or whoever's around us, basically, because we might bite their heads off. So try not to take it personally. Don't patronise your womenfolk because you happen to know a bit of information about menopause. <laughs> Every woman's experience of it is different. It's unique, absolutely unique. Some will sail through. Um, I actually hadn't noticed when I was 41. It was only because I had a hormone test um, that I was given that diagnosis. But then subsequently, my periods came back um, because those fluctuations are massive during the perimenopause years. And uh, I like this one. So 
Somebody said, my husband was very impatient, as if I could somehow manage to have done mind over matter. I did try to explain, and he did know the facts, but he seemed to regard it as my fault. With hindsight, it might have been useful to have some kind of officially printed notice saying something like, be patient with me, I don't choose to feel like this, but it won't last forever, to stick on the front of the refrigerator on bad days. (laughs) 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 Sounds like that was quite good. Rachel, is there... um I'd like you to have an opportunity to, in closing, to go ahead and promote yourself, share your podcast and anything, websites, emails that would allow the FKE 50 listeners to get in touch with you should they so desire. Okay, thank you. Well, they can find me at magnificentmidlife.com. On social media, I'm Magnificent Midlife on pretty much everything. I have a very wonderful podcast, even if I say so myself, called Magnificent Midlife. And that's all about inspiring and empowering women to believe that far from life being over, this is their time to shine. This is their time to really start stepping forward, not stepping back. And if they can get the hormonal things under control, then what happens is that the cake is midlife and menopause is just a couple of slices rather than menopause being the whole cake because that's what we want. We want it to make it completely manageable and just a small part of our our wonderful, magnificent midlife. So, yeah, I have a members club, Magnificent Midlife Members Club. I have courses. I do midlife mentoring to help women find what they want to do in their next chapter. All good stuff. Awesome. Nice. So, listeners, you'll find all the details to find Rachel in today's show notes. Swipe up. All right. Listeners, send us your story and we'll read it or play it on the next podcast. You can leave a voicemail or send a text to 407-399-8324 or email me, Doug, at fku50.com. Thank you to our sponsors, Farm Bureau Insurance of Florida and the plant-powered Exburger by Worthington Foods. Remember... FKU 50 believes there are two sides to life after 50. The age number outsmarting you or you are outsmarting your age number. Which side do you choose to be on? Please let us know. See you next time around. <laughs> we love you, Brits. <laughs> that's that's why these guys are on the podcast, because they bring the um, you know the teenage uh, brain. To I the... haven't said a thing this whole podcast. You guys kept talking. That's by design, I Jeff. Even get in there. <laughs> I had so many other questions. We planned it. We're gonna have to do. Uh, oh, why didn't you ask them then? What? Because what they hog all the airtime, all of them.